you're visiting with us. Uh, we are working our way through this amazing book. Um, when the quarantine began, uh, that was the plan. Uh, we set the plan aside for one week as we we considered God's sovereignty and all that was uh, going on and so on. And then we determined that uh, God had led us to this book. Uh, this is what uh, we believed before the quarantine, that he wanted us to, to study and to uh, learn from, be molded by. And so uh, we would forge ahead with it. And uh, to me... Uh, it's been amazing how the applications uh, have been so close. I should, should never be surprised by that, but uh, certainly in this time. Applications that I, I probably never would have dreamed of beforehand. So uh, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. 2 Corinthians 8. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this uh, not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow together. Lord, we would simply ask that you would illumine our minds that you would show us the truths that you had for this church in Corinth long ago that you preserved for us today. Teach us. Move us. By your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Now, as we begin with uh, this passage, and uh, we're going to be working our, our way through it, 
what we're going to, to see is what the, the foundation for them, the basis for them of giving was. Why did they give? They were in the middle of troubles themselves. And so before we get to what this passage says, I, I, I want to I, I lay some things out that are not necessarily the foundation for giving. And some of these may surprise you. Are not necessarily the only basis for giving. Uh, For instance, giving is uh, the basis, the foundation for it is not in order to pay the overhead for the church, to keep the lights on, pay salaries, bricks and mortar, Although those things are necessary, that's where some of those funds go. The foundation is is not because money is needed for ministries here in the United States, although money is needed for ministries here in the United States. And it's also not because money is needed for international ministries and our partners like we saw with Rob Ilderton, although Funds are needed for our international partners and our focus areas. It's absolutely true. It's not just because when you give to God's kingdom, you're investing in that which cannot ever be taken from you. Although that's very true. Jesus said that. But that's not necessarily the main foundation. The foundation for giving is not just because Jesus taught that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Although that's true. And not just because the Bible teaches that you should give the first fruits of the the first tenth, a tithe of your income to the Lord, and not just because the Bible also teaches that if you don't give that to God, you're robbing him, though the Bible teaches that. Now, everything I have just said to you are absolutely true. And in fact, they are reasons that we ought to give, we ought to want to give to the Lord every single one of those seven reasons, but they are not the foundation, the basis. So what is? What could it be? The foundation for us in giving is this, God's grace toward us. Let's take a look at this passage and see what it says about that. First of all, we see the the situation. If you're following along in your outline, verse 1 says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God. So it begins uh, with that. Like every other part of the Christian life, grace is the operative principle. The word grace is used in differing ways here. Often we think about grace in terms of salvation, and it's used here uh, in, in one sense here in that way, that uh, 
we receive that which we don't deserve in terms of salvation. We'll talk more about that in a moment. And that is grace. But here he's using it as divine enablement. That they were able to participate in the offering that we're going to learn about uh, the way they did because they were divinely enabled to do that. They were given the grace to be able to do that. So he says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Now, who were the churches of Macedonia? Uh, uh, Paul's talking about the, the, the uh, liberality in terms of their giving of those churches, and uh, that would be uh, Philippi, Berea, and Thessalonica. Those would be the churches of Macedonia. And, of course, you, you recognize uh, Philippi and Thessalonica because of the books that were written to them. And, and the Bereans, we know, because they were the ones that, that, that were checking, checking out the preacher uh, as he was preaching and making sure he was, he was preaching according to the Word of God. Uh, those churches were taking up collections and they were contributing to impoverished brothers and sisters, Christians, in Jerusalem. Now, here's how Paul put it. He says, verse 2, For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So, if you're visiting with us or if you're watching online, you just happen to tune in today and, and you see he's talking about giving, you're kidding. Here in, in the middle of this, doesn't he know about COVID and, and the quarantine and all of those kinds of things? What, what, what could he be thinking and yet, as I explained, we're going straight through. I, I wouldn't have chosen to do a, a mini-series on stewardship in the middle of this. And yet, we believe to be faithful to God that, that uh, we prefer to go straight through uh, books of the Bible. And so, uh, I, I know full well that during this time, some have lost income. Some have uh, difficulty in that way. And yet, how parallel with the churches in Macedonia who had their own affliction and even extreme poverty, and he's talking about them, how they were generous with another church, another ministry. And so here he talks about in the midst of your affliction, that affliction, and uses them as an example. And that takes us to the second point. Look at verse 3, that giving by grace is according to and beyond our means. According to and beyond our means. Verse 3, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, 
and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. They begged. Now, here's where I can't really relate to Paul. I got to tell you, as a pastor, I don't know that in, in my years of ministry, I've really had anyone come beg me to be able to give more to the ministry. Um, I'm open to it, <laughs> but uh, I, think, I think what this is showing is even he was amazed by that in, in saying, look, they got their own afflictions uh, a couple of those churches had persecution. Uh, they're not wealthy. In fact, there's poverty there too. And yet they, they're saying, we've got to help those in Jerusalem. We beg of you. Richard Foster said, uh, for the Christian, the bottom line can never be the bottom line. And what he was saying by that is that, that we ought not to determine uh, how we minister, to whom we minister, to what degree we minister by looking at what our bottom line is. He's saying that's, that's how, where we're different from the world. The unbeliever would, would say, uh, well, give if, if you have money left over and you don't know what to do with it. That's a good thing to do. Um, and here we see Paul acknowledging that their generosity had nothing to do with the fact that they had, had a lot of extra money. In fact, as, as we see, it's just the opposite. For them to give meant sacrifice. Look at verse Three then, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means. So how does one give beyond their ability? Um, by the way, their, uh, that word beyond their means uh, could be translated uh, beyond their power. Uh, it's the word we sometimes talk about it in, in the Greek. It's dunamis, dynamite, power. So he's saying they actually gave beyond their power to give. So where'd, where'd they get this power? Now, I want to just for a moment tell you of my experience and Connie's experience. Uh, and it's only because I only know of our experience. Early in our marriage, we committed and, and learned the lesson of tithing and giving beyond. Uh, the amount of money we were making at that time, uh, I was in seminary working three part-time jobs. She was working, and we, we, we didn't have money to go places, and so uh, we would sometimes go walk through the mall because it was, it was cool there, and people... People seemed happy in the mall. You know what I mean? And so uh, here's, here's the kind of income we had. 
uh, we, there was a table in the middle of the mall and they were signing up people for uh, Sears credit cards, okay? And we didn't want a credit, we didn't have any credit cards at the time and we didn't really want one, but if you, if you filled out a form, then you got uh, a free bottle of Coke. And we could use a free bottle of Coke. So we, we, we took the time, we filled out the form, uh, we took our, our free bottle of, of Coke, and uh, about a week or so later in the mail, we got a rejection notice from <laughs> Sears. Now, I don't think anybody rejects anybody anymore, but, but that, that shows uh, where we were at the time. Uh, so most of our ministry, we were in churches that, uh, um, by, by any standards, uh, uh, they didn't pay a lot. They, you know, they paid what they could. We never begrudged them whatsoever. But uh, most of our ministry, we, we live paycheck to paycheck. And, uh, and yet God had convicted us to continue to give. Connie and I have four children. They're, they're all grown. Um, and three of them we sent through Christian school. And uh, the fourth through the seventh grade in Christian school. And by the time they got through college, we, I did figure this out one time. We paid uh, 30 years of tuition, okay? And so all, all of that is just to say... And yet, we never wanted. So how'd that happen? I can't explain it. You can't explain it mathematically. And, and that's why I'm telling you that. Uh, I have deliberately never tried to figure out how much money we spent on tuition or how much we've given to the Lord just because I know I'm human and, and Satan would tempt me to uh, to say, look what you could have done with all of, all of that money. And so I will never try to figure that out. Now, I haven't told you any of that so that you'd think better of me and Connie. In fact, if you think better of, of me and Connie after hearing that, you've missed the point. The point isn't about us. The point is that God empowers to give beyond our means. And that way, we don't get the glory. He gets the glory. And that's what was going on here. And that's what, what Paul is testifying to. He, he's not saying, uh, you know, be like the Macedonians, although in, in one sense he's holding them up as an example. But he's saying, Look at what God did uh, with the, the church in Macedonia. They gave beyond their means, beyond their power. How? Because God empowered them to do that. He provided. Connie and I never would have known how God could provide if we hadn't given by faith if we had figured out, if we had looked ahead, how much children are, are going to cost you over a period of time. Don't ever look at those articles. <laughs> People will never have children if you, 
if you, if you believe what that says. And I need to tell you this. Through the years, I, I've known elderly widows that have not even ever considered not tithing. And I have to think, when they do, Jesus has to, has to smile and, and think about that woman at the temple that gave what she had. I've known single parents raising their children on their own continue to give obediently and see God provide for them month after month. I have to think God takes pleasure in that. Because the world would say, you can't afford to give. And sometimes we have to just admit that, yeah, you know what, uh, from, from a, a, a mathematical perspective, I think that's true. But I worship a great God who empowers his people. You know what I've never seen in my ministry? I've never seen God forsake those who give to him. And I won't see that because he won't. He promised he wouldn't. So if, if that's the case, what's the incentive for that kind of sacrifice? And that takes us to verse 5 to, to see that giving by grace begins with a relationship with Christ. Verse 5, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Paul was actually surprised uh, by their giving, but then he begins to explain it. He says, they surrendered to Christ. They became bond slaves of Christ, as he uses that term uh, in other places. And that's where it started. Looking at the cross, looking at the ultimate gift which he speaks of in just a moment here. Now, if it were reversed, if I, I said, you need to use your money for the Lord, and then I talked about uh, also having a relationship with Jesus, if I did it in that order, people would get the wrong impression. They would think, okay, well, I need to give, and then I'll get some favor with God, and then with favor with God, maybe I'll get salvation too. He doesn't do that. He says, no, what, what started is that they sold out to Jesus. They met Jesus. They saw what Jesus had done for them. And, and then these other things followed after, after that relationship, which is the first, first priority for anyone. If you, don't, if you don't know Christ, that's where you start. The, the, the giving is not the issue today. Don't worry about that. Don't, don't even think about that. He talks about the relationship with Christ, a personal relationship. That's where it started. And then the fourth thing, that giving by grace is an indicator of spiritual growth. Look at verses 6 through 8. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in your love, uh, our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace. What is the act of grace? Uh, 
that's the offering there. It's proof of God working in their heart. There are these other things that show, show their growth, but this, this grace led them to generosity because God had worked in their heart and gave them a new heart. And we see it reflects genuine love, verse 8. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. And we just read about love in verse 7. Amy Carmichael said you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Get it? Whenever the cross and eternal life are spoken of in the Scripture, it's in the context of God giving a gift. That's why giving is never irrelevant. It's a response. And that brings us to verse 9, that giving by grace is based on the work of Jesus. So I said at the beginning, here's the foundation, and the foundation is grace. But listen to how he defines grace. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he explains what that is. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So here, finally, we get to how Paul describes the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was rich. He was the creator and the sustainer of the universe. He had everything. He was the king. He could have stayed on the throne. Nobody could have said, you owe us anything. And yet, says, for your sake he became poor. How did he do that? Well, that's the incarnation. He took on flesh. He took on a human form to where he came to this world and became fully human while remaining fully God. Where it says he became poor, what did he do? Well, he, he lived a life here on this earth, earth a life of obedience. He faced the, the same things that uh, other people of that day face and the same emotions that we face, all of those kinds of things. He faced temptation, and yet without sin, he lived a sinless life. He was arrested uh, wrongfully convicted, he was, he was put on a cross and he was crucified and it, it wasn't to satisfy human justice, it was to pay the debt, the penalty for our sin. That's what he's talking about when he says, so that by his poverty, we might become rich. You get it? 
In theology, that's called, the, his time here is called the humiliation of Christ. Because for the king of the universe to come, he became poor. But notice it says, for us. For his people. It's salvation and all of its benefits. Over in Romans 8, it says this. This is the for us part. We are children of God. He's describing those who are trusting in Christ alone for eternal life. We are children of God. As you know, one of my favorite phrases. Children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. So here's what that means. Everything that Jesus is entitled to we are co-owners with him. That's what it means. Amazing. That's what Paul calls the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that answers the basis, the foundation for our giving we give because he first gave to us. Let's bow together. Thank you for that grace, O oh Lord. Will you cause your Holy Spirit to apply your word to us? Give us ears to hear you. And give us the right response to this amazing truth that you first gave to us. Lord, enable us to worship you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.